0: Can I ever get rid of my borderline personality disorder? Welcome to another episode of the What's Eating You podcast with your resident host and psychologist, Stephanie Giorgio. Now, this podcast is about discussing the different journeys people go on with their mental health. And today's question comes from one of my amazing Instagram followers. And I think this question is something we get asked a lot. So let's take a deep dive. Before we get into today's episode, I just want you to reflect on the week that you have had. What's been your highlights this week? What's been your challenges this week? What are you grateful for this week? I always love doing this little check in at the start of each episode. And I encourage you to do the same because self-awareness precedes change. And if we can start to take a deep dive into our thoughts, our feelings, and what's going on in our life, we can start to make it better. Now, let's get into today's episode. If you haven't liked, followed, subscribed, rated, all the things, please make sure you do because that helps me know that you are enjoying the episodes and you want to hear more from me. Okay. In Australia, studies suggest that the prevalence of borderline personality disorder in the general population is around 1-2%. to However, according to a national survey conducted by the Australian Bureau of Statistics in 2007, approximately 4% of Australians report having been diagnosed with a personality disorder, but it's unclear how many have BPD. In the United States, the prevalence of BPD is estimated to be also around 1 to 2% of the general population. However, among individuals who seek mental health treatment, the prevalence of BPD is higher, with estimates ranging from 10 to 20%. Now, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, approximately 1.4% of adults in the US have been diagnosed with BPD. It's important to understand that these statistics may not be 100% accurate because people who go into this and get these statistics are essentially people who seek treatment and receive a proper diagnosis. But what we know is BPD often co-occurs with other mental health conditions such as depression, anxiety, ADHD, and substance use disorders. So it can be misdiagnosed. So just take these statistics with a grain of salt. What is borderline personality disorder? It is a mental health condition that's characterized by intense and unstable emotions, impulsive behavior, distorted self-image, and difficulty forming and maintaining relationships. Essentially, when I did my training, we learned about BPD as being almost the emotional burns victims. The way they feel emotions is so intense And it's very different to how people without BPD experience emotions. Emotions for people with BPD can often feel unbearable and overwhelming. And the way I learned to explain this was very simple. People with borderline personality disorder obviously have a personality disorder, which means it is pervasive. It is pretty stable because it is essentially in your personality. It doesn't tend to get diagnosed until the person is 18 years old because your personality is still forming. However, people as young as 15 can be told they have BPD traits. But clinicians are reluctant to diagnose this because A, you don't want to put that label on too young, and B, there is quite a lot of stigma around it, or at least there has been in the past. However, I'm here to say that there's nothing wrong or stigmatizing about borderline personality disorder, especially if the person is in treatment, if they're learning about it, you can live a fulfilling life. And I'm going to go into that as well. Now, the easiest way to think of BPD is essentially as having dysfunction or difficulty in four areas of life. People with BPD have emotional dysfunction, which means they rapidly shift from different emotions from zero to a hundred, such as anger, sadness, anxiety, fear. And usually, unlike something as bipolar, for example, the emotions can be triggered by everyday events and may be very difficult to regulate. So unlike bipolar, it's very brain-based, very chemical-based. BPD is essentially event-driven, the moods. There usually is something that triggers the mood shifts and the moods can switch from minutes to hours to days. It's rapid shifting. And that leads me to the second area of dysregulation or dysfunction, which is behavior. And because the emotions are so challenging to regulate, people with BPD struggle to calm down. This can lead to behavioral dysregulation. So essentially, they may self-harm, they may use drugs and alcohol, they may engage in risk-taking behavior, such as reckless driving, spending, promiscuity around sex because they have trouble managing their emotions, so they result to these behavioral extremes. And this is why there is a lot of overlap with ADHD because the impulsivity can look really similar in both the conditions, but the reason is different. People with ADHD are looking for high-stimulating behavior to regulate their attention, whereas people with BPD are looking for high-risk behavior in attempt to regulate their emotions. I can do another episode on the overlap, but I get asked that a lot. The third area of dysregulation in borderline personality disorder is interpersonal functioning. People with BPD often have unstable relationships because they may engage in what's called splitting. So they may idealize someone one moment and devalue them the next. People are either in the good box or the bad box. They struggle to see that good and bad exists in the same person. And what happens is this can lead to frequent breakups or make it difficult to maintain long-lasting relationships. So often the key sign of having a personality disorder is interpersonal relationships. And more specifically, people with BPD often fear abandonment. So the minute they sense they're being abandoned, they can often switch into those different modes of dysfunction. So we've got emotional dysfunction, behavioral dysfunction, interpersonal dysfunction, and then the final one is cognitive dysfunction. The way they think is often distorted. They engage in black and white thinking patterns, which means things are either really good or really bad. And again, they put people in the good or bad box. And people with BPD may often have a distorted self-image, which leads to feelings of emptiness or identity confusion. They often feel that they don't know who they are and have a strong desire to be someone else. Now, this is not a clinical criteria or diagnosis. It is just an observation. But people with BPD will often have different colored hair, piercings, tattoos, which can often be a form of the behavioral dysregulation, trying to manage that pain in a way that is adaptive and functional with tattoos, body piercings, etc. instead of self-harm. And because they are unsure who they are, they may change their image quite often to discover that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just want to highlight that's something I've observed. They also have a lot of suicidal thoughts or self-harm. Again, They're trying to cope with their emotional pain. They're trying to turn it into something they can manage. Now, it is a very challenging disorder. It often gets a bad rap, but I do know people who have had BPD and they live very fulfilling lives. So the question I get asked a lot is whether you can get rid of this disorder. The answer, unfortunately, is not a simple yes or no. BPD is a chronic mental health condition, which means while it's possible to manage the symptoms, it's not something that can be cured or eliminated completely. But I believe this with everything in life. I believe, yes, I may no longer fit the criteria of an eating disorder, for example, but that doesn't mean that. Symptoms arise or thoughts or triggers in the media that make me think negatively about my own body image. I believe we are all triggered at some point. You may not meet the criteria of anxiety disorders or depressive disorders, but there is a potential to be triggered at one point in another. I believe it's how you handle situations. Okay, before we go into treatment and what the likelihood of curing this disorder is, let's go into the causes of it. Now, the causes of BPD are not fully understood, but research suggests that there's a combination of genetic, biological, and environmental factors. A lot of people ask me, Steph, what causes it? Is it trauma? Is it biology? It's a combination of everything. So genetic factors suggest that there is a genetic component. It may run in families, but we don't know specifically if there are specific genes involved in the condition. Biological factors. Some studies have suggested that individuals with BPD may have differences in the way their brains function, particularly in areas related to emotion regulation and impulse control. Additionally, imbalances in certain neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine have been associated with BPD. So this is why sometimes people with BPD are prescribed antidepressants or SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, because there is believed to be biological differences in the brain. And this is why they struggle to regulate their emotions and their impulse control. So medication can help with that in some people. Environmental factors is another potential cause of the disorder. Childhood trauma, such as physical, sexual, or emotional abuse, neglect, or abandonment. These are all risk factors. Because when a child's needs are not getting met at a young age, that can lead to the development of negative schemas. Schemas are your beliefs around the world and about the world too. You may believe, I can't trust others. People will abandon me. No one loves me. No one cares about me. And because as a child your needs didn't get met, a child will escalate. They may have tantrums. They may scream because. They don't know how to get their needs met. So they result to these extreme behaviors. And this is why the adult with BPD often seems like a child throwing a tantrum or going to extreme lengths to be heard because they never were heard as a child. And what happens is while that coping mechanism may have essentially worked in childhood, it doesn't work in adulthood. So they learn how to cope by detached self-soothing, excessive spending, etc. They have other ways of getting those needs met. Speaking of trauma, have you heard about the window of tolerance? I recently did a video explaining that people who have gone through trauma have a smaller window of tolerance. This is a window where you can handle everyday situations, not get angry, not flip the lid, and actually feel capable. I knew that something had to be done about this, so I developed a toolkit on how to increase your window of tolerance. You can check out this toolkit in the link in my bio on social media. And grab it today. And when you do, you'll get a free safe place audio that you can listen to, which is actually a positive resource that you can use anytime you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious. Now, other factors include instability, unpredictability in relationships, lack of social support, can all lead to the development of BPD. I want to touch on trauma because I get asked about this a lot. So, trauma as we know it is an adverse life experience in which your brain cannot handle what is going on in the moment. It's a psychological injury and it can have long lasting effects on an individual's mental and emotional well being. Think of abuse, think of neglect, emotional abuse. Even not being told you're good as a child is traumatic. The reason people think trauma can lead to the development of BPD is because traumatic experiences in childhood can disrupt the development of the brain's functioning, emotional regulation, and coping mechanism, which leads to difficulties managing emotions in adulthood. Imagine as a child, your parent is emotionally immature. You're constantly having two pandas to they need. You're constantly walking on eggshells. You don't know if dad's going to be drunk today. You don't know if mom's going to lose it. You are a child living in fight or flight And when you are a child who constantly has cortisol in their system, that's not good. That doesn't lead to a healthy brain development that leads to you living in fight or flight, which can be significantly problematic. And this can lead to an exaggerated fear of abandonment or rejection, which essentially can lead to intense and unstable relationships. Don't forget, trauma also impacts an individual's sense of self-worth and identity. And I talk about this more in the trauma episode a few episodes back. And this contributes to the unstable self image that the person with BPD has. People who've gone through trauma, they struggle to trust others, have healthy relationships. And it's important to note, not all individuals who experience trauma will develop BPD, but I'd say it's a pretty strong and significant risk factor. That's not to say that you can't manage this, okay? Let's go into treatment. One of the most effective treatments for BPD is known as dialectical behavior therapy. I am trained in this and I think it's great. It's a form of psychotherapy that focuses on teaching individuals how to regulate their emotions, tolerate distress, and improve interpersonal relationships. Basically, it's a very structured type of therapy with four modules, and it was developed by Marsha Linehan in the late 1980s. The reason this type of therapy was developed was because Marsha Linehan realized that other types of therapy, such as cognitive behavioral therapy, were not effective in treating people with significant issues such as drinking behavior or self-harm or suicidality. People with suicidal ideation were not responding to CBT. So, she developed this therapy to help people with borderline personality disorder. And it sort of combines cognitive behavioral therapy with elements of Zen Buddhism and other Eastern philosophies. Now, DBT was developed through a process of trial and error, they tested it in clinical practice. And ultimately, the goal of DBT is to help individuals with BPD learn new skills they never learned as a child to help regulate their emotions manage their relationships and cope with stress and distress. Now, there's several components of DBT. So I'll talk about the structure, then the therapy itself. I used to actually be an individual therapist for dialectical behavior therapy back when I worked at Headspace. So they used to run a nine-month DBT group for people with borderline personality disorder. If you're 25 or under, you can check this out in Melbourne at Headspace in Knox. I'm not sure if they still run it, but it was an amazing program. Group and individual therapy is the gold standard for BPD. I'm just going to say, if you can do group and individual therapy for BPD, that is the best thing you can do. But I do understand it may not be accessible for everyone. So the components of dialectical behavior when done properly and well is individual therapy. You usually have this once a week. You have group therapy, usually twice a week. You have phone coaching and skills training. During the individual therapy sessions, we identify specific problem areas and we implement the strategies that they learn in group therapy whereas group therapy provides a supportive environment where individuals with BPD can learn from each other and practice new skills. Group therapy is extremely powerful. Phone coaching allows individuals with BPD to contact their therapist outside of therapy sessions while skills training teaches individuals with BPD how to manage their emotions and their distress. So essentially, there are four core modules with DBT. And they're taught these modules over the course of, say, nine months or however long the program goes for. Now, these four core modules are designed to treat those four core areas of dysfunction I mentioned earlier. So mindfulness. This involves being present in the moment, observing your thoughts without feelings of judgment. It helps them with their emotional states and able to regulate their emotions. So the mindfulness component helps to deal with that emotional dysregulation. Also helps to deal with distress tolerance. The second core module is emotion regulation, and this involves learning to manage intense emotions. We use relaxation techniques and we use cognitive restructuring as well, so, changing those beliefs that perpetuate the emotions and cause them to escalate. The third module of DBT is distress tolerance. And this involves developing skills to cope with stressful situations that arise. So we use distraction, self-soothing behaviors. There's a skill called the tip skill, which is changing the temperature, intense exercise, paced breathing, and progressive muscle relaxation. Distress tolerance is used for crisis situations as well. And the final module that helps with that interpersonal turbulence, dysfunction we spoke about, Is interpersonal effectiveness. And this is where we teach people how to communicate effectively. We learn a skill called dear man, we learn about boundary setting, and we learn about negotiating in relationships. So, if you are someone who struggles with borderline personality disorder, I highly recommend getting into a group and getting with a therapist who is skilled in this area. And then medication, of course, can be considered such as mood stabilizers or antidepressants. There isn't one medication for BPD, but there are some that can help with the symptoms such as anxiety or depression. And also schema therapy is great as well. So what are my final thoughts on this? Rather than asking yourself, can I ever get rid of my borderline personality disorder or can I ever get rid of my eating disorder? I believe the real question is dependent on who is asking and how they cope in everyday life. I believe the better question to ask is, can I reach a place where I no longer meet the diagnostic criteria of this condition? Because what that means is if you no longer meet the criteria, which many people with BPD eventually get to that point, it means you are able to regulate the symptoms and it means you are in a better place. That isn't to say just because you no longer meet the criteria, you don't deal with the everyday challenges and pain and struggle. It's how you deal with them. I always say to people, mental health isn't a destination. You don't just wake up and say, yay, I'm fine. I don't have this disorder or this condition anymore. It's a decision you make every single day. It is that micro decision where you choose to have a cold shower instead of cutting yourself. It is that micro decision where you choose to eat that burger instead of going for the healthy option, binging later, purging, etc. Right? So for someone with BPD, they may sense abandonment. They know they're getting activated because someone hasn't texted them back. They notice they have these urges to self-harm or numb out with alcohol, but they choose to do crochet. They choose to blast music until the urge settles down. So it's important to note that recovery from BPD, it's not a linear process. And you may in experience setbacks and relapses, but with the right support and treatment, you can continue to make progress towards your goals. If you're someone who's struggling with BPD, I really encourage you get self-help books, get therapy, speak to people about it, support groups. TikTok has amazing resources as well, but therapy only works if you do the work. So you need to have that really honest conversation with yourself am I putting in the work to get better? And this is for anyone listening with any type of condition. So yes, you can essentially get to a place where you don't meet that criteria anymore. But remember, it's a process and it's a journey. And if you're listening to this and you have BPD, you are already one step ahead. Thank you so much for being here. I know how hard it can be, so I really appreciate you listening. And I hope this episode can help you better understand borderline personality disorder. If you want to know more about it, let me know and I can do another episode on it. I'll be more than happy to elaborate. Just let me know on Instagram on my Psychology Sunday stories. But thank you for being here today. Have the best day. I appreciate you so much. Don't forget to like, subscribe, all the things. I appreciate you. Take care and I'll see you next episode.